welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us your very words in this book, this inerrant, perfect, beautiful, savory, necessary, sufficient wonderful word and so as we gather we're excited to hear what you have for us we know that your spirit makes your word alive to us and so we pray lord that you do that work this morning even as we have to gather from a bunch of different areas to worship together electronically like this lord we pray that you would by your spirit make yourself known to us and not only make yourself known to us but by your spirit make one another felt and known in this, Lord, that we would truly feel the communion of the saints and that we would feel that fellowship and that bond that we have in your spirit, that you would make that real and effective to us, Lord. Come, dwell among your people, draw us together, draw us to yourself in both word and worship and by the Lord's Supper, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So we're in this series in the book of Exodus called Free to Follow. And instead of changing our series in response to this whole coronavirus situation, we've decided to just trust in what God already has for us in the book of Exodus. And so we haven't changed at all the schedule that we're doing because we believe God's going to meet with us in the plans that he already had for us. And so uh, last week we saw in Exodus 3 and 4 that God called Moses. We saw that Moses resisted. We saw that God insisted, and then we saw that Moses submitted. And so Moses returns to Egypt to lead God's people out of slavery. But there's a bit of a twist here because Moses is going to see, and we're going to see, that sometimes when you follow God, when you follow the Lord, things go from bad to worse. Um, But that never means that God's promise has failed, right? You guys have experienced that? Sometimes things will go from bad to worse, but that by no means means that God's promise has failed. And we're going to see that in this text. Um, In chapter four, Moses told the elders of the people that he was going to redeem them out of slavery, that God was going to do that through Moses. Moses does the signs that God told him to do, and the people believe just as they should. And so in Exodus five, as you guys already read before service here, in Exodus five, Moses and the people are following God's instruction to confront Pharaoh. And you see that in verse one. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness. And so they are following God's lead. They're trusting in his promise. What happens next? And you might think, well, next they get their best life now. Hardly. Take a look at verse two. Things go from bad to worse. In verse two, Uh, Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let the people go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. This is a different Pharaoh than the one that was in chapters 1 and 2 of Exodus, but he's just as much a seed of the serpent. You can almost hear the hissing sound as Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Isn't that what sin always says? Even in our own hearts, sin says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Uh, Moses here seems maybe a bit confused by Pharaoh's response. You can imagine that that Moses might be thinking, well, maybe he didn't hear me right. Um, This is supposed to work. So he tries again in verse three. Then they said, 
the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. They kind of explain. Maybe you don't understand, Pharaoh. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But guys, Pharaoh heard right the first time, didn't he? And he's resistant. And the state of God's people will go from bad to worse. First, they get harder work. If you look in verses 4 through 13 of chapter 5, you'll see that Pharaoh punishes the people by not providing straw for them to make bricks. And so they have to make the same amount of bricks, but they have to find one of the components, the straw themselves, and they have to meet the same quota. Don't miss here, guys, that from Pharaoh's point of view, he owns these Israelites. Um, He's not going to let his property go without a fight. And I want to just say to those of you who are just starting to follow Christ, just coming to know Christ, expect that same response from the devil. You can expect great resistance from the enemy when you first begin to follow Jesus. Amen? He used to own you. He won't let you go easily. But he, like Pharaoh, is no match for the Lord. Um, So they get this uh, harder work. They also get rough treatment. If you look at verses 14 through 19 of chapter 5, Pharaoh has the foremen of the people of Israel beaten for not meeting the quota. And you can imagine that violence is going to kind of trickle down through the whole slave camp. So all the the slaves of Israel are going to, you know, be um, beaten down by all this. Um, It's gone from bad to worse. You know, their normal burdens have been compounded. Um, their, their burdens are growing. Uh, they're being crushed under them. And, and guys, it's been that kind of week, hasn't it? It's been that kind of week where your normal burdens probably in this last week, week and a half have been compounded. Your burdens are probably growing. You're feeling crushed under the weight of it, aren't you? You think about health burdens. I mean, there's all these wildly different predictions about how bad the whole coronavirus thing can get. And you may have had health burdens already, and you've got this added fear of health burdens in that area. Um, there's school burdens. You know, the school's being closed. Some of you are trying to figure out childcare. Um, if you are, let the deacons know. I think we've got uh, some help for you there. There's burdens of childcare. Maybe some of you are needing to homeschool for the first time. Um, there's, there's burdens of your kids uh, being sad because they're missing out on some of the activities they'd be able to mess, normally be able to do during the school year. Um, we've got a senior in our, in our family, and you just think of prom and grad night and all these different things, and are they going to happen? There's those school burdens. Um, there's work burdens. I mean, we have the, 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 the joy of working from home. Have any of you guys this week for the first time experienced the joy of working from home? It's crazy. It's a uh, an office ought to be a civil right <laughs> of every worker because working from home is hard, especially if you don't have an office for that. And then you've got financial burdens. You know, the Dow drops 10,000 points, a third of its value. Like all the gains that were made over the last four years are gone, you know. And a lot of you, some of you guys are facing layoffs. Some of you who are business owners are facing real negative to your income. Maybe you make it hard to actually meet just even the operating expenses. I know for my work, that's starting tomorrow, um, that it's going to be um, going into the negative if this continues. You got family burdens. I mean, here we are kind of all cooped up with our families with all those added stresses and we can get on each other's nerves. You got freedom burdens. I mean, we're just used to being able to do things when we want to do them. We're Americans. We do what we want. And all of a sudden we're being burdened in our lack of freedom. 
And I just want to ask you guys this morning as we're looking at Exodus 5, do any of you feel like maybe you're being forced to make bricks with no straw? I mean, can I get a show of hands? Of people that feel like this last week they're, they're being made to kind of make the same amount of bricks but without the straw. Um, guys, I was just thinking about this and it's like, it's amazing God's providence. Isn't God's providence amazing? That I, I mean, I mapped out this series months ago and, and I knew that we'd be in this chapter it this week, but I did not know how much we would need it. And, and maybe the moral of the story is, is that it's really super dangerous to preach through Exodus. <laughs> maybe it's dangerous for the whole world for me to preach through Exodus. But seriously, God has ordained that we'd be in this chapter in this week. Isn't that amazing? Uh, it's a week that many of us feel like Paul did in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, when he said, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. And I know talking to several of you that you're feeling that. And guys, it feels that way for us too, that are leading the church. It, it, we feel the burdens. I mean, it wasn't even a week and a half ago, maybe, that we were told we couldn't meet at the school because of coronavirus. And so we're like, okay, you know, we'll solve that problem. Then we'll just, we'll live stream and, and people can join as small groups and they can watch as small groups. And then what do we find out? It's like, nope, we can't do that. That was my plan um, right at the beginning. It's like, no, you can't do that. You can't meet in small groups, you know, and then it's like, okay, well, then we'll just have like maybe just a Monday morning. I was thinking we'll just have a couple of families here and a couple of families there meet together to do the live stream together, take communion together, all that to have some sort of gathering. And then it's like, nope, can't meet in groups of 10 or more. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe just a few of us will like go over to Josh's like we did last week and make the live stream and just put it together. And then it's like, nope, there's a stay at home order. You have to stay in your house. It's crazy. I mean, as a church, I start to feel like uh, the Black Knight in um, Monty Python's The Search for the Holy Grail. You remember Arthur, he like chops off the Black Knight's arms. It's real bloody shooting all over. And he's all, I've chopped off your arms. And he's all, no, no, it's just a scratch. You know, and then Arthur cuts off his legs and he's like, oh, it's merely a flesh wound. You know, and he's left kind of this like bloody stump and he's still wanting to fight on. And I feel like that over the last few days. But guys, maybe that's what the church needs. And I don't just mean our church, but the church in general. Maybe we need to feel our weakness a bit. Um, 20th century novelist Flannery O'Connor said this. She said, the merit of the church does not lie in what she does, but what she is. Isn't that beautiful? The merit of the church does not lie in what she does, but what she is. And then she says this, the day is coming when the church will be so hemmed in and nailed down that she won't be doing anything but being, which will be enough. I love that. The day is coming when the church will be so hemmed in and nailed down that she won't be doing anything but being, which will be enough. You know, maybe the Lord is, is hindering our doing so that we can see that his doing is the only doing that ever mattered anywhere. Amen? And God is, draw, God is doing it's amazing to see what God is doing, actually. Even as we're kind of handicapped by all this, God is doing. God is drawing people to himself through this. I mean, I've had way more evangelistic conversations this week than normal. I had a coworker call me just today saying, hey, you know, what's the church think about this? What are you guys saying as a church about this? This is a guy that's an atheist. He never has any interest. And yet he's, his interest is perked. Guys, don't miss the opportunity here to speak to those who are non-Christians. God is doing something in stirring people up through this difficulty. 
And I know some of you that are joining us uh, this morning on the live stream, some of you that are joining us for this are actually not people that normally go to church, you know. You've been drawn by the current distress with the coronavirus and all these things, and you're starting to look into spiritual things. And so you wouldn't normally go to church, but here you are with us this morning. And I say, that's great, and we're super happy you're here. God is using this to, to get your attention. You know, see that as God's invitation to come and know him. But the reality is, is that some of you will be drawn away from him just as quickly when everything looks safe. You guys have heard of the idea of a foxhole conversion or a foxhole believer? You know, you're in battle, you're in war, you're in a foxhole somewhere, and you think you're going to die, and you reach out to God, and, um, and, and you believe in him. But the true test of those conversions, guys, is when the soldier returns home, right? It's when he returns home. When the soldier returns home, does he continue to love the Lord like he did in that foxhole, or is he lulled back into spiritual sleep? And I would just plead with you, don't be a foxhole believer. If you walk away from him when the threat is gone, it shows that you never really knew him. I mean, if you only draw near to him in the times when things are difficult and scary, that's not true saving faith. True saving faith is, real faith is persistently treasuring Christ. That you're with him, not just because you're scared, but because you love him, because he's your treasure, because he's the greatest find in your life and you desire him and you want him. That's what real saving faith looks like. And so these burdens, they can draw us closer to the Lord or actually they can move us away from the Lord. And, and Pharaoh's purpose is the latter. He wants to use these burdens as a wedge between the people and Moses, between ultimately between the people and God, because he's a seed of the serpent. And so Pharaoh uses serpent tactics. And guys, it's true that burdens can make us doubt God's promise, can, can it? Take a look at verse 20 in chapter 5. That's what happened to them. It says, Then Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh, and they said to them, and this is the people, the Jewish people responding to Moses and Aaron, and they say this, The Lord look on you and judge you. Because you have made us a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. These people, the Jewish people here, are seeing Moses, not Pharaoh, as the real enemy. They reject Moses and they're calling down judgment on the very one who came to redeem them. And even Moses doubts God's promise, doesn't he? This must have been a massive disappointment to him. If you look at verse 22, it says, And Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done this evil to this people? Why did you even send me? For since I came to Pharaoh I, to speak your name, he has done evil to this people. And you've not delivered your people at all. I like that at the end. You've not delivered your people at all. He's seeing God's ways actually as evil. He's doubting God's goodness. And guys, during this time of burdens and difficulty and affliction, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do with you. He wants you to question God's goodness. He wants you to lose hope in God's promise. But guys, as we'll see in Exodus, these burdens they're experiencing in no way nullify God's promise. In chapter 6, in the beginning, if you look at that, God repeats his promise to deliver them and bring them into the promised land, as if to say to him, None of your current burdens nullify my promise. And guys, I'll just speak to you guys. None of your current burdens nullify God's promise either. 
The promised land is ahead. We see that in the book of Exodus and we see that in the Bible in general. The promised land, your promised land is ahead. God is faithful. God's promise stands. In, in fact, you know what's interesting about the book of Exodus? Is that God actually promised these burdens that happen in chapter 5. He promised these in chapter 4. God promised ahead of time that burdens would be a part of his plan of redemption. And he promised that to, to Moses before he came to, back to Egypt. Take a look at Exodus 4.21. It says, The Lord said to Moses, When they go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your hand. And then what's the next part? But I will harden his heart and he will not let the people go. God told Moses ahead of time that he was going to give them this adversity that's coming in chapter 5. And I'm not sure if Moses told him that part. You know, he definitely told him, you know, God's called me to come and redeem you out. Yeah, I don't know if he mentioned anything about the hardening part, right? And I'm not sure that Moses even remembered it himself, that adversity has always been God's part of God's plan of redemption. Adversity is a promised part of God's plan of redemption. I mean, Jesus promised adversity too, right? Uh, Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says this, If anyone comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Guys, he says we need to take up our cross and follow him. The cross, guys, was not a, a pretty piece of jewelry. The cross was an instrument of torture. Right? Jesus is promising burdens and adversity as part of his plan for his people. Part of the plan of redemption. I mean, Jesus is no health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. You know, you watch these guys say, if, you, if you're obedient to God, and if you follow him, and if you give, and you, if you come to Jesus, your life's going to be healthy and wealthy and prosperous. Jesus never talked like that. And none of the apostles had a life like that, right? And so what's the purpose in these burdens? He's saying if God actually has these burdens in their life as a part of his plan of redemption, if he has adversity for us during this time through what we're going through right now, and, and this is something that God has for us, burdens he has for us, what's the purpose in it? You might ask yourself, well, what's the purpose of it in Exodus 5? You know, what was the purpose of hardening Pharaoh's heart, which led to more difficulty and more hardship for God's people? What was the purpose of Pharaoh being resistant to letting the people go? And the purpose, as we'll see as we go through um, Exodus, is the purpose for it was God's glory and his people's joy. The purpose of these burdens, the purpose of these afflictions that we see in chapter 5 were for God's glory and his people's joy. How do I know that? Well, if you'll, we'll see in about a month or so. But in Exodus 15, you guys remember what happened after God's people crossed the Red Sea? So they're, they're backed up against the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is pursuing them. God opens up the sea, makes a path for them. They cross through on dry land. And you remember what happened after that is once they got on the other side, the waters closed and the Egyptians were drowned. And do you remember what happened on the other side of that sea? Do you remember the joy of God's people? Exodus 15 says this, For when the horses of the Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. And the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out with her. 
with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam said, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea. This is huge party of rejoicing at God's redemption. Guys, that's going to be us. That's going to be us dancing and singing and enjoying the Lord after the burdens of this life are gone. And because we're going to see, guys, the wisdom and the goodness and the power of God in every one of these burdens we're experiencing now, in every one of the pains of this life, we're going to see God's wisdom and his goodness and his power in it. We're going to see, how his, we're going to see his glory in it, and that's going to fill us with joy. But of course, we're here, right? And we're in Exodus 5, not in Exodus 15. You're in Exodus 5. Not Exodus 15, guys. Better things are ahead. God's promise stands. None of the burdens you're experiencing nullify God's promise. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. For we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. For, so these burdens that we have are for God's glory and for our everlasting joy. For the time when we're going to be on the other side of the Red Sea, rejoicing in how God used every burden and every pain in our life to bring us to the best possible end. Amen? And what brings us through that? How do we get through till then? And, And one of the ways we get through till then is by seeing that Jesus bore our greatest burden. Amen. Jesus bore our greatest burden. Like Moses, Jesus was crucified and rejected by the ones he came to save. Remember how Moses was was cursed and rejected. Jesus was cursed and rejected by the ones he came to save. Jesus was seen as a burden bringer instead of a burden bearer, just like Moses. You know, the people saw Moses not as a burden bearer, but a burden bringer. And we've often seen Jesus that way, right? Many of us had been hesitant to come and follow Jesus because we saw him as a burden bringer instead of a burden bearer. We misjudged him. Like it says in Isaiah 53, verse three, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one whom men hide their faces from, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have each one turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on Christ, on him, the iniquity of us all. If you're a Christian today, Jesus carries your burdens in two ways. Jesus carried the burden of your sin. I mean, these earthly burdens that we have right now, they pale in comparison to the burden of our sin debt before God. I mean, you know that feeling when you can't, you don't feel like you can carry one more thing, when you can't handle one more burden, when you feel like you're being crushed under the weight of all your problems, guys. That feeling at its worst is nothing compared to the weight of your sin debt before God. Guys, if we could feel for a second the full weight of our guilt before God, we would never take Jesus for granted again.
Guys, if, if we could feel for just one second the full weight of our guilt before God, we would never take Jesus for granted again. In, in Revelation 6, when Jesus returns as judge, it says the people are going to see the weight of their sin. They're going to see it clearly. They're going to see the weight of their sin. And they will ask for the mountains to fall on them, to shield them from the judgment of God. Because they're seeing it clearly. If you aren't in Christ, that's your current state. You just don't know it. But you will someday. Every human being is going to see their full weight of their sin debt before God at some point when he returns And then it's going to be too late. But Jesus, the judge, took the full weight of the burden of your sin, every single one of them on the cross. Jesus carried away all your sins with his nail-pierced hands and feet. Jesus bore your sin's burden on his back, on his whip-shredded back. He bore the burden of your sin, and he took it all away. All you need to do to have the burden of your sin taken away is call out to him today. Call out to him and ask him to save you. Turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. And for those of us who already have, we have this amazing feeling that we'd like to share with you. We have this amazing feeling of knowing that we no longer carry any of the weight of our sins. Jesus carried our burden on the cross. A second way that Jesus carries our burdens is that Jesus by the Holy Spirit is available to carry your burdens now if you're a Christian. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is available every day, every hour, every second to bear your burdens. Jesus said in John 15, Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he has this picture of like a vine and branches that plugged into him. We can draw strength and energy and life and from him. At any moment of any day, we have the opportunity to abide in Christ and have him carry our burdens. Amen? You know, we have that opportunity to have him carry our burdens. We just stop and we pray and and maybe we put our hands out like this or maybe we lay on our backs and put our hands out. We just say, God, I give you control of my thoughts, of my emotions, of my words, of my actions. Carry this burden. And we can say, uh, in, in response, we can say also to him, give me your thoughts, your peace, your perspective, your wisdom, your joy. As we dig into his word and we read it and we ask him to fill us with your thoughts and your peace and your perspective and your wisdom and your joy through the spirit who lives in me and connects me to Christ. And he'll do it. But guys, let's be honest. How little advantage we've taken of this gift. Haven't we taken such little advantage of this gift? We're actually connected to Christ via the Holy Spirit. He's asking us to draw near to him and abide in him so that he will bear our burdens and live through us. And yet we don't take advantage of this like we should. And guys, hey, perhaps that's why we're in the situation we're in. Perhaps that's why the Lord has brought us all to this place of burden and breaking and crushing Right? In 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul said this, We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Now, you don't expect Paul to say things like that, but he did. He's real. He's a real person with real... He's just a man. 
He said this, We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And then listen to this, But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so why would we be brought to a place of utter burden and despair and feel like we have a sense of death on us and we're just crushed and we just can't do anymore? Why would we be brought to that point? He says it was, it, God does it to, to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so let me read for you again what Jesus said. Come to me, all who labor are heavy laden. Is that you? It's me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we abide in Christ, as we surrender our thoughts and desires and perspectives to him, what we find is we find a lightness in our burdens. The burdens themselves aren't gone, but there's a lightness in the burden. And the reason is, is because it's Jesus carrying it with us. And you know, Jesus always carries the heavier end, doesn't he? Isn't God good? Isn't he good to bring us to this text this week? He, this is something he knew all along. We didn't know we needed this text this week when we planned it out months ago, but he knew we needed it. Guys, he's good. He knows. He's got this, doesn't he? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have provided us this wonderful, beautiful text of burdens and how when we follow you, we will often encounter great burdens and difficulties. And yet your promise stands and your promise, not only to remove the burden of our sin from us, but your promise to bear our burdens with us as we abide in your son. And we just pray, Lord, that you would make us people that would deeply abide in your son. Make us people of prayer. Make us people of reliance upon your spirit. Make us people that no longer try to live independently, but live abiding in Jesus. Lord, I'm sure that's why you've brought us to this point, Lord. We pray that you bless us as a church, draw us together even as we're physically apart. Lord, we, we love you. We know that you love us more than we love each other. And, but we pray, Lord, you'd fill us for love for one another and that you would make us strong in your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people say, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.